Hello and welcome back to Create Shift. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me today. It has been a while. I think it's been about a year since I recorded the last episode. So thanks for sticking with me. And I am back today with a really exciting episode to tell you uh, all about what's been happening in the past year. And it's been a big year, obviously, for everybody. Um, And I think for a lot of us, there's been a lot of processing of, of things and thinking about things and kind of transitions and changes and I've been doing a lot of that um, a lot of inner work and and connecting to my intuition and and what I really want and so that has led to a big change and shift with my business and some of you will be aware of this you would have read it on social media and on my newsletter Um, but I wanted to do an episode about it for the sort of relaunch of the podcast so I am here today with my guest Julia Mazzola but Julia is going to be interviewing me how exciting so Julia is uh, a a kind of a a business friend of mine I suppose we can say and we're in a group coaching at the moment so we know each other quite well through that and Julia uh, is a wonderful human in general and interviewer and I know that she will ask all the great questions and find out all the things that you want to know. So Julia is an inner forest guide who helps people to connect to their intuition and their magic through coaching and tarot. So hi Julia, thank you for coming to interview me today. Hi, I am so excited to be here. This is a fun kind of turn of events. I haven't been on a podcast uh, in a while and looking forward to just being able to chat and get into it. Mm, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so since this is uh, all about creating shifts in your life, this podcast, and you clearly have been through some ones of your own, I kind of wanted to talk about the shifts happening in your life and Before we get stuck into the big shift, the most (laughs) recent big shift, um, I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about one of your earliest, earlier pivots. So Mm -hmm. you've spoken before about how you've been, how you went to drama school and you'd left halfway through. Mm -hmm. I feel like this was a fundamental moment in you beginning to create shifts in your own life I would love to hear a little bit more about how that actually happened what caused you to make that change Mm. yes this is such a a big question to start with this is why you're here doing this um so yeah so I went to drama school um kind of when everybody was going to university uh I so when I was 18 and I wanted to act. I wanted to be an actress since I was tiny. And I thought like that's what I was going to do. And I I auditioned for loads of drama schools for acting. And I actually I didn't get into any acting courses, but I got onto a course about European theatre. Um, and it was it was like the only course I got onto. So I kind of thought, okay, well I've got to go to university or got to go, you know, this thing that you do after college. I've got to do that. Um, so I this is my only choice. So I'm going to go and do this. And I, I went and I left. I left that halfway through the first year. And I think it's funny because when I look back on it now, like sometimes I don't regret it, but I do think. I do think I would have really enjoyed the course if I'd stayed, but I do think that I probably wasn't in the right place at the time to even go to university at all. Like, I don't think I should have even done that at that time. I think I should have taken like a year out to figure things out, but that's just not the path that I was on. You know, I was, I was really high achieving academically. And so I was expected to go and do something. And obviously I guess drama school isn't the thing that maybe you get, you're expected to do, but that was my ambition. So that's what I went off to do. Um, and then, yeah, I I guess I was just not happy there. And I, it feels like, you know, leaving is a really big decision, but it felt mm. like it was the only decision. And I can't really remember how I got to that point. <laughs> but I just remember being like, okay, no, I'm going to leave. And that's so huge. And um, a little bit unlike me, I guess. Like I, I normally follow the rules and do things... I mean, I well, I've got like less rule following, but I am quite 
rule abiding in general um so yeah it's, it's kind of weird that I did that but yeah um yeah I was just like okay no I'm not happy here so I'm gonna leave I'm gonna go home I want to go to university instead I decided I wanted to go to a more like traditional university and do more academic stuff and um, so that's what I did and then I went and studied drama and English literature at Sussex University. Hmm. And so around when you did leave drama school halfway through um did you find that you had quite a lot of pushback on that or was it was it something that because you were so sure about the decision it didn't really matter what was happening around that time around you externally? Um, so I had some pushback from one of the lecturers who I had to go and tell who was terrifying he actually looks a lot like the demon headmaster if anybody <laughs> if you watch that yeah so just like terrifying if, if anybody doesn't know what what that is it was a kid's show in the 90s but it was this headmaster of a school who was a demon and he had just this really scary look in general um so he looked like him so I had to go and tell him because he was like the head of the course um and he so he yeah he pushed back and he was like saying you know why don't you just defer a year or or whatever and I was like no 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 um and then a couple of people on my course um like I think who liked me and liked working with me and stuff um were like no you're making the wrong decision but other than that like I think family were fine which is I guess where you might expect a lot of the pushback to come from they were actually fine uh yeah, so not loads, but I do, I often avoid talking about it, <laughs> hilariously, now I'm like chatting about it loads, but um, <laughs> I, I, or I used to, I don't think now so much, but I used to feel very ashamed to kind of bring it up, because um, mm. I felt like I'd done something really wrong. Mm. What made you feel like you'd done something wrong? I guess, because it felt like um, you have this, that you're not meant to change, Um especially if you have a big ambition um, or goal. And, you know, I was really, like, theatre was everything. Um, from when I was, like, four, I wanted to be an actress. That's all I wanted. Um, and so to change that felt like, like, I don't know, I guess it makes you seem flaky and, like, you actually don't know yourself. And... Um, yeah you know it felt like you know you're meant to go to uni and do the thing or whatever course you decide like that's the thing you're doing and and to leave is like a failure when actually it's not it's like a knowing a knowing of yourself more and Mm. yeah yeah it's so interesting isn't it how we view change as being a sign of inconsistency or a sign of not having been sure enough of what you wanted Mm. in the first place when Mm -hmm. you are absolutely right it's so much more about being familiar with who you are and being able to listen to yourself so that Mm. you can actually make those changes because otherwise it's hard it's hard to to create shifts absolutely and I was just thinking because I know a few people who've done similar things um and both at uni and I think you know one thing is we don't get told that that happens that you can go and you realize you've made a mistake and that's fine um but I think the other thing is is that we we get sold this idea that we have an identity and it's fixed and it's like this is who you are you love these things you want to do this you want to be like this you you are like this you don't like these things and all these things and actually we don't get told how transient that can be and how much that can change and I think it's when I discovered um the, the idea of being a multi-potentialite I don't know if you know that term um I don't know everybody does but like um yeah multi-potentialite or there's other words for it aren't there like um I can't think of them now uh I've anyway. multi-passionate yeah multi-passionate multi-potentialite so multi-potentialite was coined by Emily Wapnick who did a uh, TED talk on it and I found that um and I'm just making a note so I can link to it in the show notes for people um and that was like a spark for me it was like oh you mean I'm allowed to be different things and I'm allowed to to kind of move and want different things because that's the idea of you know yeah multi-passionate multi-potentialite is that like you you aren't a person who can say I am a mathematician and that's all you are for the rest of your life and 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 that there are there are different kinds of multi-potentialites so like people who do lots of different things simultaneously which I kind of do 
um, and other people who do one thing for one part of their lives and then another thing for another part of their lives and they just move on. Um, and there's some really famous examples, uh, but I, you know, they're not in my head right now, obviously, but, um, my partner comes to mind cause he, he studied film and was a filmmaker for ages and he got a de- uh, like his degree in it. And then he got a master's, he was doing documentary filmmaking, he did this stuff. And then he one day, not suddenly, but like over a bit of a period of time realized that he wasn't passionate about that anymore and moved on and now he makes theater and it's like cool but I think we just don't get told about these different ways of being um which makes decisions like leaving the course for something that you're super passionate about really hard yeah Yeah. and so you decided to leave drama school but uh still following a not the same vein but a similar uh, kind of passion around theater Mm -hmm. um what was it like making that change when you when you kind of arrived into the new course how did it feel for you to have made that shift yeah it felt so much better like straight away like even I mean I suppose because I'd experienced like you know leaving home and stuff I'd done it before so it wasn't brand new because even that when I was first doing it was just utterly terrifying um uh so like stuff like that felt better but it all it all felt um more kind of right I suppose um and then I I got into doing stuff so my degree was in drama but I got really into the drama society and doing that was was really amazing um and that's when I discovered directing and and I've always I've always been a writer as well and I think that allowed me to like doing that course and being part of that more kind of open environment of the university and being in the drama society that allowed me to connect to those things more so I I started being more of a writer and director than a performer Um, yeah yeah so what does it actually um what what does it mean to be part of a drama society what kind of stuff did you get to work on I actually are so good because I think about it now basically get to do whatever you want and you get given (laughs) money to do it I mean that's just incredible um (laughs) no so I mean uh it meant like when I was a fresher I went and auditioned for all the plays like with everybody else and then it was really sad because I didn't get a part um but but then you know there's other things that the society puts on that you can do like fundraising events and little you know so we did things like a 24-hour play rush where like the writers would write plays in 24 hours or in like 12 hours and then they'd get made in 12 hours and little things like that but I I actually um because it's my nature to get highly involved in everything I do. I was on the committee. I became the uh, like secretary and like vice president of the committee. And like, so I, I ran it. <laughs> I was one of the people running the society and kind of deciding like what events should we do? And then like, but yeah, if, if you wanted to direct a play then there'd be a certain number of plays that would get made every term and the, the society would have a budget and you could propose your place so you'd go to this big meeting with the society members and you say I want to direct this it's about this and we're going to do it like this and it will need a budget of this much and all of that and then people would vote and if you got voted in they'd be like yeah here you go here's your money here's the space you can use for free and off you go it was great <laughs> it sounds like so much fun I mean no wonder then after university you set up a theatre company was this was that a lot of the inspiration behind it yeah and I I initially set it up with somebody that I knew from the drama society Uh, she was in the year below me at uni and we had worked together on a few projects and really liked working together so we decided to set up uh, the company together and then our first shows were kind of cast really pretty much entirely from people who were in the drama society or at, at the uni and kind of we just had this wealth of contacts and like this network and yeah I mean and because she was still there we could still use the space so like it was a real help um but then you know there was support from tutors and things in in setting up the company as well and kind of yeah so definitely um definitely an influence and so your next step was the the theatre company can you tell me what it was like running that and how that started to um shift into the next phase of your of your journey yeah so so yeah so by this point I pretty much shifted from from saying I want to perform to saying I want to write and direct things so that was going to be my path so I 
I set up my theatre company, um, you know, to give myself opportunity to make things. Um, and so we were called Witness Theatre uh, at the time. Um, and so this was 2011. We set up and we we started making work for... We were living in Brighton, so we uh, have the Brighton Fringe there, which was amazing. So we started making shows for the fringe so we we did our first show was the importance of being earnest at brighton fringe and we did that in a coffee shop and it was immersive and there was like original music composed and it was super fun it was amazing um uh, and then we went to edinburgh fringe and we did a show that i'd written and uh yeah it's when i look back on it all of that stuff i never thought they were that big of achievements and they really were uh, you know we entirely funded everything ourselves we crowdfunded we raised money and like you know we did it all and it was it was great so uh, yes, yeah, so we went to Edinburgh for the whole month of August. Um, and then, uh, and this was like, so I was working in a jewellery shop at the time um, as well. So that was my my job like, for money. And then I was making theatre on, on the side kind of thing, uh, basically in all of my spare time. Um, and then the original the original woman that I'd made the company with decided to, to leave because she wanted to go and study in Paris at the Lecoq School there. Okay. So she left the company and then it was just me for a bit. And then I uh, met uh, Kelly, who's the woman I now run the company with at a, a networking event um, where we su- successfully networked with each other. We were the only people that we networked with. We thought it was quite a win. Um, <laughs> so we both didn't really <laughs> like it very much. So, yeah, so, and Kelly is a designer um, uh, and and dramaturg when we worked together um and we've been working together for the past eight years uh so we've made the first thing we made together was terrible uh huge uh failure we came up with a new term for it the other day I can't remember it now so anyway <laughs> we normally call it a train wreck so it was really really bad um but we enjoyed working with each other and uh, so that was good so then we carried on working with each other and I was the company was mine and then gradually Kelly got more and more involved until uh, I was kind of like, do you want to just run the company with me? Um, so we started doing that. And we then sort of found our way into making work about taboos in our society. So we kind of realised mm-hmm. we wanted to do something that was a little bit uh, political, I suppose, with a small p. Um, I don't know everything is, but yeah. Um, so we wanted to make work about taboos in our society and create space for engagement with those. So we did uh, Julius Caesar set in a fetish club addressing gender sexuality and power um and we we developed that twice for Brighton Fringe um and then we we got some funding to work on a show about death and dying which we've been working on for ages now um or I have I started writing it initially myself and then and then brought Kelly in um so we got some funding to do some R&D on that in in 2017 and then uh and then and then I moved to Manchester. So there's so many different strands to this story. Um, yeah. Well, I I I want to I want to stop you there a little bit just because I yeah. want to talk um, <laughs> about like first off the Fringe, one of my favourite things um, to attend, like especially the Edinburgh Fringe. I yeah. um, I studied in Edinburgh, and so I used to attend mm. every year and just loved it. Um, and you mentioned that you didn't really feel like they were big achievements at the time. What do you think yeah. was the mindset behind that? Uh, it's Why one that I still have. Like, I, well, I never think that I'm good enough, basically. Um, and I, I still feel like that. Um, so I never think that I've done enough or that anything's good enough. Or like, I'm very, I mean, I think a lot of us are obviously the human brain is is designed to focus on the negative anyway. Um so there's that. Uh, so, yeah, a very hard time celebrating myself. Although I, I did, I did think Edinburgh was really cool, but it quickly disappears, I think. And then I, and then I move on to the next thing. I'm very much, I've always been like, like literally the day after finishing a show that I've made, I'll be like, what am I doing next? Um, mm. <laughs> right. So I've, I've always found it hard to be in that, that kind of in-between space um, or just like let things be as they are. Uh, so I guess that's part of it. Um, is that why you um you started to do uh your happiness project (laughs) yeah uh so yeah so the happiness project there's this kind of big it's my Saturn return basically um when I was like 27 yeah 27 28 I think anyway yeah I I started questioning everything I was doing (laughs) um (laughs) 
Hmm. Uh, sorry, was this around the same time as you moving to Manchester? Yeah, that happened kind of in the middle. So yeah, so basically I, um, and I have to, I, I think I have to say this as well. I, I got some unexpected inheritance, which meant that I had some money um, hmm. and I was able to make some choices that I wouldn't have been able to make otherwise. Um, so I, yeah, I got this money and I guess something like that can make you question things and question what you want and stuff like that. Um, so I, so I'd been working at this point, I'd been working full time, um, uh, in a, in a letting agency, uh, in a, like with like a really great workplace and it was a student union letting agency at my old uni. So it wasn't like a, you know, shady letting agency um so it was, it was a really great workplace and like really lovely people and stuff it was quite a it could be quite a stressful job and you know it was a nine to five Monday to Friday and then I was making theatre as well and stuff so mm. you know I basically didn't know what a day off was um so there's a lot of that and then sort of theatre stuff I felt like it wasn't really going anywhere I think it just wasn't going anywhere quickly enough, perhaps. Or I was trying to go down the conventional route of kind of, so, you know, if you want to be a director, you, you might go down the conventional route of becoming an assistant director at a big theatre or that kind of, and work your way up sort of thing. Um, so I was kind of going out for different things and not getting anything. Um, uh, and so the opportunities that I felt that I needed weren't coming and I wasn't making money. And I think part of that was because I didn't think that I could uh, make money from the theatre stuff because I didn't apply for arts council funding until 2017 having run the company since 2011 so you know um that's a big kind of it took me a long time to think that that was possible so there was that so anyway so I realized that you know I'm not making money from the theater and actually I don't know if the theater thing will ever make me all of the money that I need to make so I started thinking like what else you know what do I want to do and started realizing that I wasn't really living in a way that I wanted to live uh, and then maybe I wasn't as happy as I could be. And I, so the happiness project happened because I, we were on holiday, my partner and I, we went on a, on a big road trip in America on the East coast. And we started in New York and uh, there was a book that I'd wanted to buy as a holiday book. And I thought it would be at the airport and it wasn't. Uh, so we went to Chelsea market and there was a bookstore there and I went there and I was looking for this book and I couldn't remember the title of it, but I knew that the cover was blue and yellow and what I found was the happiness project book because the cover is also blue and yellow and that wasn't the book I was looking for um but that was the book I found uh, so it was really kind of one of those things where it got sort of handed to me so I was like oh I'm gonna buy this this sounds good so I bought that and then I, I loved reading that and uh so for anyone who doesn't know it's, it's a book by Gretchen Rubin I'll link to it in the show notes um and she spends a year trying to elevate her own happiness levels so I decided to do the same and that's when I set up being changed my website so it was initially a blog kind of thing to chart the happiness project and I, I did blogs about that so I was just looking at different themes and like how could I make myself feel better and happier and things like that um and that's the same time that I was doing my yoga teacher training as well because that was something that I decided I'd, I'd gotten quite into yoga sort of I don't know maybe three years previously um and knew it made me feel a lot better so then I decided okay maybe I could do this alongside the theatre as a way to have multiple uh you know ways of working and ways of making money as well yeah so what it what uh in the happiness project can you give a little a few examples of some things that you did damn I should have looked it up yeah <laughs> so so I kind of followed what Gretchen Rubin does um which is to take a theme for each month and then set kind of little resolutions within that month so one of them was uh, so some of them I, I really took inspiration from her so one of them was energy I think she has a, a similar one um so I was looking at things like how I exercised and like exercising in a way that was joyful for me and actually that's when I started walking every day I, I can't believe I didn't used to do this but uh, when I started doing that I actually felt really uncomfortable just going out for a walk around the neighborhood without mm. you know being like I'm going to the shop or you know I'm going to see my friend whatever you know I walk a lot to go places and achieve something but I never really went out just to walk um, and now I do that every day um, and I just walk around the streets all the time uh, just like in my local neighborhood and I, that doesn't feel weird and it did um, so that came out of that and so uh, yeah and then looking at things like how I could get better sleep or um 
things like that and then other another one I did was about finances so I and I'd get like books out around the theme or I could I'd research it each month so I remember getting books out about economics um from the library mm. that was fun um I'd never read about economics before and just kind of sort of thinking about things in a different way or like questioning how I tracked my money or like you know uh, that was probably when I started doing yeah doing things like kind of tracking my finances in a way or like figuring out budgets I, mean, I don't do that anymore but it was the start of kind of more of a relationship with money I suppose um uh yeah so mm. little things like that and was yoga part of this happiness project as well or how did that kind of become mm. integrated into your life yoga I don't know if there was anything specific in the happiness project about it I don't think there was but they sort of happened at the same time basically um so I started doing yoga I mean I've done yoga for a while um but very sporadically and like a lot of the women in my family were were into yoga and and I'd sometimes do it with them and uh, when I was a teenager kind of thing and feel amazing and be like wow I feel so much better um so I knew that I knew about yoga and I knew that it made me feel good, but I, I would only do it kind of really occasionally until I was working in this job that, as I said, was quite stressful. And so I was starting to feel like just really unstressed, like stressed and, and kind of uh, like not as happy as I kind of wanted to, I suppose. Um, and I, I wanted to do yoga and I felt that I couldn't afford to do regular classes Um in Brighton at the time and I was told by one of my aunties actually that yoga existed on YouTube I had no idea um so then I discovered yoga with Adrian um on YouTube and I started doing this 20 minute morning sequence um uh, and that made me feel a lot better before going to work so then I did her 30 days of yoga the following year so I think by the time I did the happiness project I'd probably been doing yoga every day for about a year maybe a bit more um so at that and then I decided to train so I decided to do the training the teacher training I think in the September of that year of 2016 I think and I did the happiness project like I got the happiness project book that same month so Mm. they all kind of aligned yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and what was it that really um motivated you to do the teacher training rather than just continuing yoga on your own I think it was that that sort of simultaneous realization that theater wasn't going to be my only thing and I didn't want it to be and it didn't have to be that I wanted but I knew that I wanted to work for myself ultimately um so I wanted other ways of being able to do that and so I thought ah yoga could be really interesting because I'm really loving it so maybe I would enjoy teaching it and I already knew that I enjoyed being in that kind of position obviously because I I lead like rehearsals and workshops and things through the theatre work that I do so I knew that I liked being in that kind of role so yeah and I remember telling people that I was thinking about doing yoga teacher training and like all of them would just kind of like look at me and go oh yeah definitely like as if it's like why hadn't we thought of this before it was really funny Mm. (laughs) um yeah and so you did your yoga teacher training you were still running the theater business here Mm -hmm. on the side you were exploring kind of different avenues with the happiness project Mm -hmm. how how long were these kind of three things coalescing um together was it up until covid happened or how, how were you kind of progressing with being changed so in 2017, it's a big year, um, I finished my yoga teacher training in like the, the June, I think it was, the May or the June, no, it's probably the May. Finished my yoga teacher training in the May. That was the year that I was doing my happiness project. So that was running for the whole of 2017. Um, and that was also the year that my partner and I decided to move to Manchester. So we'd lived in Brighton for nine years. So we've been at uni there um, and we decided to move to Manchester. And, and that kind of like, we've been thinking about that for a while. Um, so we moved in the, like, I think the first or second of July of that year, we moved up here, um, <laughs> without jobs, without anything. We, we knew a few people here, but, um, we didn't have jobs to come to or anything. So it was a, like a big break away. Um, so at that point, that's when I decided to 
try and make my own business out of the being changed stuff so rather than it just being a blog and I you know I wanted to start teaching yoga so I was like cool I'll start doing that in Manchester and I'll do that under the name being change um so that's what I did uh, so that's when I started kind of evolving that my website more into an online business and got quite immersed in that kind of whole world of online business um for both good and bad I think um uh yeah, and, and that same year was when we had been successful with Arts Council funding for the theatre company's project about death and dying. So I had moved to Manchester, but the, the, that project was happening in Brighton. So I spent the summer travelling back down south. So I was doing that. I was also um, on another um, Arts Council funded project working as a, as a co-director in London. So I was doing that a bit. So there was a lot that year. <laughs> um and then so and then I spent time just building up being changed yoga and running kind of like doing other trainings for myself and so sort of the yoga side kind of became a bit more prominent from sort of 2017 through to 2018 and because when we did the the uh the work about the show about death and dying with the theatre company we um we did some work with a hospice. Uh, so we worked with a, a group of hospice patients who met regularly as part of a patient group. And we did creative workshops with them. And it was it was really wonderful. Um, and, and we got really beautiful feedback from them and just kind of made us realise that we wanted to do that kind of thing a little bit more. Um, and we decided that we didn't want to be just a theatre company. doesn't sound right because we still call ourselves a theatre company, although we've questioned that. But... Um, we didn't want to just be about making the shows. We wanted to be about a more integrated and holistic experience than that, I think. And and Kelly also runs her own business as well. So we were both kind of involved in this world of online business and running business and kind of developing ourselves as business owners. So we started bringing that into how we were thinking about the theatre work. And so that made us think, um, actually, we want to take a step back and evaluate. We ended up rebranding. So we're now called Hearth and Sea. Mm. um and and so we spent a lot of time kind of thinking and processing and talking so we were doing that and then I was developing my yoga stuff at the same time so the yoga and kind of holistic well-being kind of took a bit more of a front seat um we were then and then in the middle of all that I had to I, I got a a part-time job because my partner and I wanted to buy a house and there was no way I was being given a mortgage with the the freelance earnings that I had at the time so I got a job just to just to be able to buy the house um which we did in 2018 19 no 19 2019 we bought the house yes thank you um yeah then we bought the house in 2019 and then so then I was doing this part-time work and like sort of bit of seesawing between like what I was doing with my time um yes and then in 2019 we were working on another arts council funding application to continue developing the show about death and dying and we were developing that at the end of 2019 and into 2020 and we were just about to submit it and then covid happened mm. and there we are <laughs> so before you were talking about um you mentioned how you wanted to make your theatre company kind of integrated and holistic mm-hmm and this is something that is obviously very important to you in terms of the way you operate your life and mm. um, and something that you want to take into the good space going forward. Can you talk a little bit more about what integrated and holistic really looks like to you in terms of bringing together the strands of theatre and yoga and everything that you've experienced so far? Yeah, so I spent a long time fighting with that because for so from kind of like yeah get from like 2018 to kind of last year I I had these two different businesses so I had Hearth and Sea um and I had Being Changed and more and more I couldn't figure out how to keep them apart so I would be thinking like oh I've got this idea but that feels like a Being Changed thing but actually no it feels like a Hearth and Sea thing or like Oh, I want to do this thing but I can't do it with this because that's that's that and it was like so hard and entangled and it was like feeling like I had to keep myself separate which is what I've been told all my life uh you know this is what we get told and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning but like when I was um doing you know saying that I want to be a writer and director people kept telling me like you have to choose <laughs> mm-hmm. and 
and and also you know I don't think they would say that to a man because look how many male writers and directors there are but anyway that's a separate topic um but yeah people kept saying you had to choose you know you've got to just choose one path and so that's what I was trying to do with these two things for ages was like keep the path separate and only kind of well only really at this year earlier this year um as you know I started sort of thinking why can't why do they have to be separate why can't they be together um and that's where um the idea well that's that's not true the the idea for the good space is an idea I've had for ages and for people listening we haven't mentioned it yet I can't believe we've not mentioned it yet but um (laughs) that's that's what being changed is becoming the good space and that's an idea I've had for ages but then this is when it returned was when I started thinking why why do these things have to be separate and so to me um living a holistic life uh is 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 the way that to live first of all um it will support it's the way that supports our well-being the best and and that's the way that kind of allows for all facets of ourselves I suppose and for all different things um everything that we need to help us feel a sense of harmony and and to feel well and kind of balanced within ourselves so that comes from creativity and that comes from movement and that comes from connection to our bodies and it comes from what you do with intuition and tarot and it comes from journaling and it comes from being in nature and growing stuff and it comes from community and it comes from the food that we eat and it comes from how engaged we are with politics and it comes from making changes in our society um like I don't think you can separate those things and our society does because we like to put things in boxes Mm. um but I don't like that so yes that's what I'm doing now I'm just trying to like take all the things out of the individual boxes and put them in a big box together but it's not even a box it's just like some nice container (laughs) (laughs) so yeah tell me um tell me a little bit more about the good space how do you envision envision it so it's I want it to be a physical space Um, and this is the idea that I've had for years after I read um like a a a book that was oh I can't think what you call it because it would be called women's fiction but I don't like that but you know like a like romantic kind of book I read it on holiday ages and ages ago and and one of the characters like buys a bookshop and it's like a little community bookshop and they have like a cafe and stuff and I started I mean I don't even know if that's true I don't know if I just imagined the cafe I'm not sure anyway in my head I imagined the cafe and I was like oh it'd be so nice to have that kind of space um where people could come and gather and like sit on really comfy worn chairs and like eat good food and engage in all these things and then and then that kind of developed into a space where there would be theatre making and theatre performances as well because that's part of what I do so just like this big open space and you know I always envisage like long tables of people just like eating dinner together and and it being in nature and all of this lovely stuff and then that that dream just kind of went away for a bit or like put it away and then um came back to it at the start of this year and yeah so it's still like this this idea for this space somewhere I don't know where I assume when it when when the right time to have it uh is upon us that it will just materialize somehow I'll just see it and it will be there and I'll be like that's the space um but yeah so I see it as a physical space like that so there's space for gathering and and this cafe and this really nice community feeling and, and kind of lots of different sorts of classes you know covering everything that I spoke about so you know you might be able to do something like learning about herbs or gardening or going on a um like forest bathing walk or a yoga class or um painting or learning a language or like adult education or you know whatever it is um and like you know little little library or bookshop and just all of these different things um space where people can come and make theater retreat space yeah it's quite big um quite big vision I suppose um and so now what I'm kind of moving into is building that kind of space but online in a digital way to start Mm. with um because that feels uh 
more right um, and more like I can then just be all of who I am and then invite people to come and be all of who they are and you know collaboration is really key to it I, I'm I thrive in collaboration and I didn't really realize that until recently because we get told we have to do everything on our own but you know theatre making is all collaborative and I, I love that and so I, I thrive in collaboration and kind of bringing people together and helping things happen mm-hmm. um so that's going to be a big part of it so not just me delivering things but other people delivering things and me kind of going to someone that thing you said sounds like it could be a really good workshop do you want to come and do it here and then they do and it's great and yeah that kind of thing mm, it just sounds like such a wonderful magical space and I love how um hearing you talk about it and hearing about all the different elements that could be involved in it it really sounds like your threading together your your yoga experience your year-long happiness program project experience and the theater experience into being able to create a space where people can kind of conduct their own happiness project experiment which I think Mm -hmm. is just really beautiful Um, and how you said that you kind of put the dream away for a little bit what do you think kind of helped you uncover it once more and bring it back into life um well largely a lot of the work we've been doing together you know in the group coaching um because that's you know just holding space with with a group of of other women you know all in various stages of business and kind of exploring and, and questioning that I suppose allows you to to uncover these things or go back to these things or remember or or ask the questions that feel a bit um scary or vulnerable and so having that space to be able to do that I think has been really really important Mm. um because sometimes you can't you need the right community for the right things you know and although obviously like I've got friends and family and my partner and stuff who who would listen they don't know (laughs) because they're not in this kind of space or doing this kind of thing so I think that's been really important and um and then like the the whole last year like it's been a year of of disruption and challenge and like it's been really really hard and I wouldn't want to do it again but if it wasn't for the pandemic right now like I probably would be running a yoga business still Mm. I mean who knows but that was where I was going because I I, at the at the end of 2019 I just kind of quit my job I'd gone full-time self-employed and I was like right everything's going really well with the yoga and this is great let's do this and I was planning retreats and all these sorts of things um so they probably would have gone you know, pretty well I'd probably still be growing that kind of yoga business of what we think of as a yoga business so I think it's having that space for things to be shaken up mm. uh allows the right things to come to the surface I suppose yeah and I love what you said about um having that community space and where kind of the right not the right people but where there are people who understand and who get mm where you are at because I find especially at the beginnings of dreams you really need they have to be tended to and they have to be cared for and so how do you kind of see the good space being a place where people can bring their dreams Mm, that's nice um Yeah, I think I think a lot of it comes to the kind of community that I'd like to cultivate or I'd like the space to cultivate. Um, and I suppose, you know, that's, that's online as well. It's kind of, you know, if, if it was a physical space, it's like the people that you might see in the cafe or the people who work there or um, the kind of presence that's a, that the space has of one that is um open and and inviting um without being uh 
like pressing or you know like so you could come in and and there would definitely be an invitation to to talk if you wanted to talk but also there'd be the invitation to sit and silently look out of the window if you wanted to do that but you would you wouldn't feel uncomfortable in any way I would hope (laughs) so it's like you know sometimes you can go into spaces and feel like oh everybody here knows each other and it's awful and I don't want to be here or like oh it just feels really pretentious here and I feel like everyone's looking at me and and like I don't know so that's that's kind of how how I see that kind of physical space being that like hub um and then I think just this like and and then that's you know I want to create that online sort of through uh I'm going to try it through a Facebook group to start with and see how that goes but um and also the kind of people who will come and and do the courses like I hope that people will connect with each other and and be there supporting each other and and kind of creating their own little little communities from this kind of hub of the space and through that way it sort of grows um and then I suppose in the in the ethos of being just like like I call it the space of alternative learning and radical well-being. Um, and so I hope that it's kind of, it's challenging. Uh, the, the It's challenging like those societal norms or boxes or the things that we get told that we should do or should be. And so by creating that alternative space, then I hope that creates a safe space for exploration of, of dreams and of kind of truth and who we are and who we want to be and how we want to be um yeah yeah and uh this is I think that leads us so beautifully into a question that you actually ask your guests at the end of every one of your podcasts and I wanted to ask you the same uh in your ideal vision of the future what changes would you like to see people having made towards living a more purposeful and holistic life and what small changes can people make now if they want to start moving in that direction? And you told me you were going to ask me this and I didn't prepare. <laughs> um, so I thought, I'll just see what, what happens. So um, I think I think it's a, a connection to our bodies and to therefore like the like our truth I think like I think we've become so disconnected um because this is how we our society tells us to be you know we're just like a head moving around that we don't feel we don't hear what the body is saying because the body's telling us so many things um and so so many people if we ask how are you feeling how does that feel what does that feel like they'd say I don't know um and and just kind of not listen and I think if we start listening to the bodies if we start connecting to the body and everybody start to become more embodied in that way then more people be aware of how they truly felt and what they truly needed and and then obviously they would need to be equipping with like the tools to be able to get that. But I think the first step is uh, listening to the body and becoming connected to the body so we can listen to what it's telling us. And then to have the, hmm, the right word, it's not confidence and it's not, maybe it is courage and have the courage to actually listen to that and then, do what we know is right or what we need because it does take courage right now and hopefully in the future it won't so much because it will become more the norm um and small steps to do that right now would be to what's the tiny step to do um maybe Oh my God, that's that's like, I'm trying to break it down to like the smallest, smallest steps. (laughs) It's like really hard. Uh, Maybe start by connecting to your body in the morning, by when you get up, you like put your feet on the ground and you like wiggle your toes and you feel your feet on the ground. And then you, you spend like five minutes 
stretching and kind of going oh how like what feels stiff like what needs moving and so maybe you follow like a little morning stretch routine on youtube for five minutes or something every morning but then you discover that actually you kind of want to do a little bit extra yourself and you just listen to that and i think it can grow from from that kind of thing yeah Mm. lovely well i'm so excited to see your vision of the good space come to life in the future thank you me too and a little bit terrified um (laughs) yeah thank you so much so um I guess I'm going to do as a little end um and tell everybody that there will be a good space Facebook group and I was just going to tell you what it is but I don't know what it's called yet so uh I'll probably do my own little outro in a minute or afterwards and record that separately. Um, So yeah, but if people want to find out, uh, you can join my mailing list um, and I'll put the link to that in the, in the show notes um, so that you can sign up to find out when things are happening. And Julia, do you want to tell people where they can come and find out more about you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Julia writes and Julia is spelt G-I-U-L-I-A and also my website, juliarights.com. Those are the best places to find me. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming and interviewing me today. I'll have to have you back on the show and I can interview you. (laughs) Wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Thank you for joining me for this episode of Create Shift. I hope that you enjoyed it, found it interesting, helpful and inspiring. If you would like to join our supportive community full of people who want to create positive change in their lives and in the lives of those and the world around them, then I invite you to come on over to our Facebook community, Create a Good Life. I'll put the link in the show notes, but if you just go on Facebook and search for Create a Good Life, you will find it. And we have lots of exciting things happening in there from inspiring questions, sharing of articles and resources... I do lives and kind of mini workshops and it's just a really, really lovely group um, who are all there to support each other in creating a good life for themselves, for the communities that they are part of and for the world as a whole, if that's not too big of a statement. You can find me online on Instagram at thegoodspaceuk and you can find me on my website thegood-space.com. I'll be back with fresh episodes of this podcast as and when they are ready, as and when I'm inspired to. And you can join my newsletter community as well if you want to be kept up to date with Good Space workshops, inspiration to help you create positive shifts in your life, uh, holistic living wisdom and many more things, as well as, of course, the fresh episodes of this podcast. So do join my newsletter if that is of interest again i'll put the link in the show notes for that and for now all that's left for me to say is thank you again for being here i hope you enjoyed a nice walk or a lovely cup of tea whilst you were listening and if not gift yourself that now and if you enjoy the show i would be so grateful and honored if you could leave a positive review over on itunes as this helps more people to find the show and to benefit from the resource that we provide thank you and until next time